I'm calling this message Holy Living. It's from my favourite passage. It's the one that I go to probably more than any, any other. It's Colossians 3, uh, beginning in verse 1. And I go, I go to this passage so many times. It's pretty much got everything that I need. Um, you know, obviously there's loads and loads of other stuff in the Bible. But this is the one that kind of helps me get life back on track when it starts to drift off track Um, I'll begin begin reading uh, Colossians 3 verse 1 so since then you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and I've put on the new self which is being renewed in, the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slave, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it, not only when their eye is on you, to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as as if working for the Lord, not men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. This final verse, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I think... It pretty much sums up how we, how we should be. You know, it, it touches on so many different areas. And I'm kind of going to break it down uh, into a, a, a few passages uh, as, as we go through. Um, in verses 1 to 4, you know, it's, I'll just uh, read it again. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. This is, a, this is one that challenges me all the time. You know, I'm always thinking about maybe whether it's work or the house or the children or the grant or whatever it may be. You know, and rather than thinking 
further afield you know looking towards eternity I'm looking at what's the next problem what's the next thing we've got to sort out the next thing we've got to resolve what I like uh, in verse 6 is for you died and, when and your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory this is a great promise for all of us you know that he's saying you know when the time comes you're going to be, you're going to be with me in paradise you, you know you're going to be raised with me not just raised he says in glory I don't know how it's going to be but it's going to be special that's for sure I can't imagine God putting on a party that nobody wants to be at. That's, you know, boring. It's going to be spectacular. And we're going to be with Christ. It's going to be something that we should think on more. Because it's there for every one of us. You know, you know the old saying, nobody gets out of this life alive. And it's true. For every single one of us, we're going to face that. But, you know, once we've gone through that door, that's what we've got waiting for us. To be raised in glory with Jesus. And that, that's fantastic for me. Then in verse 5, when it talks about putting to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, this challenges me because every time I read it, it's a reminder of where I've come from. Um, but I'm not, I'm not without sin. Like, like all of us, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I am sinful. We all are. But, you know, in, in my past, all these sins, I would just indulge them all the time before becoming a, a disciple and I know Derek and I, we share about this a lot you know, he's talking about when your first Bible study is the sin list you know you've got problems <laughs> you know <laughs> so obviously something Derek said triggered something in my decision thought, I know what this guy needs and we were very, and we've always said we were, came from very similar backgrounds in that way you know, just indulge in everything you know, the thing, the strange thing is and, and probably for a lot of people you know I indulged in a lot of sin before I became a, a Christian I mean lots lying, immorality, you name it you know I, I was involved in it but I would do good stuff and I think that's where we can tri- you know, trip ourselves up saying yeah but you know I gave a bloke uh, two pounds he was begging on the street you know, and I'd do it, you know, might do a good, a, a favour to someone. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're alright, Roger, you're a, you're a good bloke, you know, you're okay. You know, and somebody say, yes, you know, you've got a heart of gold. So's a hard boiled egg. <laughs> that's what you need to remember. And that's what I was. I was a hard boiled egg. I had, I had a shell and you weren't going to get through maybe there was a, it was there in the middle maybe but it was well buried and well presented it would only come out on occasion you know and I, I think that's that, that's the thing to remember I never I never really forget where I came from you know and, and what I uh, you, you know and what I've left behind and there are there are challenges and sometimes you look at the thing oh yeah look at that could, it can look attractive but it really is so much surface and, and, and not really deep. And, I, you know, and, and again, this uh, really helps me to balance things again. And when he says get, uh, about getting rid of things like anger and rage and malice and slap and all those things, I would be eaten up with anger towards people and, uh, and you know, it would consume me in many ways. And I, again, I'm so grateful 
that those things I've been able to let them go and it just given me such a sense of freedom but I still feel them creeping in you know it's not like I'm immune to it somebody does something against me you know the old Roger wants to come back in and go oh you need to get them back you know you need a you need you need a yes hold a grudge that's what you need to do and that's the old Roger talking away yes make them suffer make them pay that's that's the old me and I would have tried to do that but you know but I realized how much that just damaged me you know and you know made me not even like myself very much so I'm I'm really grateful about that and then I'll just move on to um verse 11 and again, this, this passage, when I first came to church, it says, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The thing I loved about the church when I first came was really the diversity in the church. You know, the differences that we have. You know, whatever background we're from, however much money we've got, whatever colour we are, whatever, if we have abilities or disabilities or whatever it may be, that it, it makes no difference to God. You know, we talked about being a heart boiled egg, about having a heart of gold. God looks at the heart. Yeah. You know, He doesn't look how talented you are, He doesn't look how tall you are, or yeah. short you are, or rich you are, yeah. or anything else. You know, I, all the talent in the world. You know what? I'd give, I, I'd trade all the talents that I have just to have a soft heart. Like, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, when you, know, when you look at the Psalms and what did David ask for all the time? You know, a heart that was responsive to God's word. A heart that was obedient to God. I mean, that was uh, phenomenal. Just to have a heart that responds to uh, to God. Instead of fighting him all the time. And I do, again, I you know, I have my own battles and I feel myself sometimes resisting. You know, say, God, you should do, it's like, this is what you should be doing. Well, am I doing it? Sort of, you know. And it's this battle that goes on, you know, rather than, you know, you, you know, someone goes, the Bible says, you need to do this. Okay, I'll, I'll do that, you know. No question, no argument, no procrastination, just do it. Just have a, re- a, a really pure heart for, the, for those things. And, you know, and I, and I, even around in the church, you know, I see so many, uh, you know, of you, you know, brothers and sisters who serve and give and, you know, and it blows me away. It blows me away. And you know, you may say that you may not get praise. You know, you're the ones who turn up here, you know, it's every Sunday at 10 o'clock. You're the ones who go and visit people who are struggling. You're the ones who, you know, bring the ones who are not as visible to everyone's attention. So and so needs a bit of help. Don't under, don't underestimate how valuable you all are. You know, well, I know we're all in it together and we all have these different skills and talents, but those talents, Far better than someone who can go and earn a, a big chunk of money or drive a fancy car. You know, the fact that you care about people means so much more. Even, you know, we were talking about, uh, Roland about, about hope. And again, again, you know, I know Roland's got a really soft heart towards people who are, who are in need. And then I know he, he, it's just the way he is. And he will speak to people. He'll speak to people when they don't want him to speak to them. <laughs> Roland will just go up and he'll see people in the street and, I, and I've seen him do it. And there's a real heart for people. I know Keith's another one. I mean, there's, there's lots I could, you know, don't feel I've missed you. There's loads. But I think that, you know, and I wish I had more of that. Because it's such a, such a fantastic quality, you know. 
And then I'm just going to move on. I'm just going this is all my favourite stuff. <laughs> you don't mind me being indulged, do you? It's no. his Father's Day. Yeah. After all, you've got to be nice to me today. It's the rules. Good job it's only once a year I'd really put on you. But um, anyway, where, where was I? Okay, verse 15. It says, Let the peace of Christ. <laughs> is that my wife? Uh, I know that. <laughs> let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and, what, and, and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him um I think this is, uh, uh, again, it's uh, just about being grateful. Um, you know, I can find myself, you know, uh, just taking things for granted. You know, I think, oh, well, I should have this, or I could have had that, or, you know, that wasn't quite right. You know, or, you know, you, you go out for a meal and the food just wasn't quite what it ought to be. Rather than being... You know, re- really grateful for everything that we have. Um, you know, and I, I think I think for me, I just what yeah, I think it's being different to to the way the world sees things. You know, um, I'm not I'm not a big complainer in restaurants. I'll kind of think mm, I might not come here again if it's <laughs> if it's really poor. But I'm not. You know, I think well, I'm, I'm, I, should I be in the position to be complaining all the time? I mean, there's a lot of people they they can't even afford to go to a restaurant. You know, they'd, they'd be glad to go to a McDonald's, let alone a restaurant. So, you know, I think it's just having that real gratitude for all that we have. You know, and I mean, a lot of people say, you know, you should, every time you get a blessing, you should thank God, thank God, thank God. I don't always. There's a bit of me that thinks, oh, well, I deserve that, or I've earned that. And that's not true. That's just me. That's just my, the sinful bit in me that wants to think that way. But I think that's the thing, just being really grateful for what we have. You know, I'm very grateful for the church. You know, and I've shared this a lot, you know, because I know without the body of the church, you know, but I, I don't think I could be a Christian, just me independently on my own, walking the streets without the support mechanism and having brothers and sisters around us you know where we are like minded and we do have a lot of things in common we have problems and we have issues that we have to resolve well that's, we're human beings of course that, that happens but we can resolve them in the right way you know and knowing that there are people who care about me sometimes they care enough to tell me the truth you know and and I I often need that you know and that's really kept me on track these 30 years almost and um, and really I'm so grateful just, just having you know the, the body of believers it makes such a difference um, you know remember what he said it's like it's a bit like uh, uh, horses I know, I, I know horse people and they said you get a horse and it'll run right but you put a horse in a herd and they run half as fast again and I said is that he said no it's true he said, "There's something about once they're in a group together, they perform. Far. That, that's what I guess. That's why they have horse racing. I'm not a gambler, so don't worry about that. <coughs> but they do. Once they get together, they become 50 percent better than what they were before. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think that's as a church when we're together, we're better together. It's, um, <coughs> sorry. As in, ah, 
prescri- I'm new prescription fumbling. Thank you. <coughs> <coughs> Thank you very much. Don't be dry. It's this sunny weather. <laughs> I, I looked out my back garden. There's water buffalo at the bottom there. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I've got webbed feet. We had a day in June when it's not rained. <laughs> Unbelievable. <coughs> anyway. <laughs> I missed that, sorry. Anyway. Oh, oh, it is one. Uh, verse 18. Wives. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord speaks. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? Is it a, it's so the Bible sometimes it's, the right words just come. <clears throat> Verse eighteen. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wife. I do love you, darling. I love you. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I'd never be harsh with my wife. <laughs> children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You know, this little passage would put relate out of business yeah. if only we all followed it. You know, husbands need to feel respected and wives need to feel loved. It's that simple. And out of that comes security. For the husband and for the wife. And I remember, we, you know, we've had our challenges over the years, you know, and I think, you know, I think when Sybil was challenged to be submissive, when I was challenged to be loving, we couldn't get an, a handle on it in the early days. But, you know, over the years, and we've realised that it, it does actually work. You know, that um, this being submissive, it's, it's not like, you know, I come in every day with a list of laws, say, you need to obey these, my dear. You know, if we're going to have a successful marriage. Number one, where's my dinner? It's on the table. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You know, we talk about things. But Sybil does know that I love her and she knows that I'll do anything for her. But I know that, that she, does, she does respect me and she will... You know, if, if, if I say, you know, I really think this is the way we need to go with this, she'll say, okay. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, sometimes I'm wrong. <laughs> it's been known. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> but it, 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 the thing is, it's so simple, but it works. And if more married couples just put it into practice and talked about it more, they, they would be so much happier. You know, but... You know, the wife has got to be prepared to be humble in the relationship. The husband's got to be prepared to go the extra mile so his wife feels loved. If if Sybil feels like I care more about her than me, she'll assume that any decisions I'm making are for her benefit, not mine. Whereas the old me, any decisions I made were always about me. Because I'm selfish. And I always put myself first. But real love is putting your wife first. And I think it's simple. You know, and those of you who are single or maybe will get married one day, really just focus on this one. My marriage is not where it ought to be. Read this. It straightens it out. Then, he, then later on it talks even about, <coughs> it talks about slaves and masters. You know, we can even look at that, whether it's employers, you know, whether, 
do, do I work as if I'm working for the Lord with, with, in my job at the times when you know I'm, I'm on my computer I think oh yeah let me just check out the price of vacuum cleaners <laughs> whatever it may be uh, let me just check what the weather's doing in I'm sure we've all done it you know there's times when we could have done that little bit extra but we thought oh I'm, do- I'm tired now I'm done now you know and they're not paying me enough money for this they're not, well, you know, they're, they, they, they could be better input. Anything. But, you know, this says, it's clear, it says, work as, work as if you're working for the Lord. Work as if, you know, God's watching what you do. So when you're working for someone else, you may have a, I'm lucky, I've got a nice employer, I've got a nice boss, I've got a nice job. Some of you may have not such nice bosses and not such nice jobs. Or, but whatever it is that you do, but, you know, it's, it's a real challenge to still be 100% wholehearted and work for that person. But God says you're not, wor- you know, you're not working for them. You're not, you're not doing it for them. Yeah. You, you, you're doing it because you're, an exa- you're the example. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine you've been there, you've shared your faith, said, oh, I'm a Christian, yes, I go to church, you should come to our church, it's a fantastic church, and you're the laziest person in, in that company. What <laughs> kind of example is that? What, yeah. what are we saying? Yeah. What, what are we saying? Say, don't employ them Christians. They're a nightmare. You can't get them to do any work. He's been reading his Bible for three hours. You're supposed to have been doing, <laughs> doing this. You see what I'm saying? We're here to be shot down. You know, we're supposed to be the example. You know, we're the, we're the ones who will go the extra mile. You know, we're the ones who will maybe speak to the stranger on the street. We're the ones who will maybe help somebody who's in need. You know, it, it comes with the territory. It comes with the job, um, you know, and, I, and I, I know I can do better, I know. And again, this kind of gets me balanced when I'm thinking about, um, about, about my... When I start going off the rails, I always come back to Colossians. How am I doing for... T- oh, we're doing okay. Um, but I think we, we've, we've all got the same challenges None of, we, we all think that we can be quite different or my challenge is a bit more unique to yours you know he said oh he, he doesn't understand or he's never had this it's true but you know God doesn't give us more than, the, than we can handle I mean that's the thing he also, he also, there's always a way out there's always people to talk to again I, let me encourage all of you really when, when life starts going off track and off kilter and things just seem a little bit out of focus just read Colossians 3 and it's, it's just like you've got these cornerstones that you can go to and it's like right, work, family sin and it just kind of balances everything out and it tells, you what, it tells us what we need to do and how we need to be God doesn't expect us to be perfect because that's why Jesus came but he expects us to make an effort mm-hmm. and that's all we can do you know, we put our faith in Jesus, we love God we, we, we work together as a family and ultimately if, if we just put these into practice it will go better for us you know, I, I, with the photographs that came up at the beginning I look at that little group of us you know, seven of us and then I look at the family that we've got now you know, with you know, the children grown up, you know, with their various challenges as well. You know, got teenage grandchildren now, that makes me feel old. And seven grandchildren. But it's such a blessing. 
And I think, where would we have been if we hadn't have been disciples? Our children never became disciples. But it's not over till it's over. That's always our prayer. You know, we, we, we want all six of our children, and then we want their children. Because we can see their relationships and everything else, and we can see that there are challenges. And I, I know, 100%, this passage could help every one of them. Every single one of our children. If they, if they chose to put it into practice. At the moment, they're choosing not to. They've, the world's attractive. I'm sure many of you out there, you've felt the pull. It's there. It's very shiny and very sparkly. But it doesn't last. You know, what really lasts is God's word. It's eternal. And that's, and this is what transforms lives. You know, a bigger car, working more hours, a better job, doesn't transform lives forever. It doesn't change your character. No. Well, it does. It makes you a little bit better off, or worse off, or this or that, or under more pressure, or under more stress. It doesn't. It doesn't affect your character. What affects your character is God. What help, What enables us to change is God's Spirit. That's what counts. That's what matters. That's what's valuable. You know, all these other things, you know. Jesus was never impressed with people who had money. He, he was like, oh, really? Oh, I'll give it all away. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, what do you need to do? Give your money away. What? Straight away, straight to the heart. A bit like me and Derek with those studies. <laughs> Find the weakness, you know, and the Bible says it's like a double-edged sword. The Bible, it will carve you open, you know. Luckily, it carved that hard-boiled egg open. And that little, it, 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 it's get a little bit more of it's exposed now, which is fantastic. But let me encourage you all to do that. What we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the um, the uh, communion uh, part of the, of, uh, the service, and um, I have another passage that uh, I'd like to read. If you turn into to the book of Mark, <clears throat> and um, it's chapter fifteen. And we're going to be begin in verse 21. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll begin reading. Verse 21, Mark 15. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But he did not take it, and they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, <coughs> come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran and filled a 
uh, a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone, let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. Well, I'm going to focus on, obviously it's with the communion, a couple of things. Obviously the Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection, but talk a little bit about Simon from Cyrene. Simon was travelling from Cyrene, in case you don't know, it's um, in uh, Libya. It's east of Tripoli. And to Jerusalem, it's about 800 miles. So Simon would have travelled right across uh, the coast of Libya and across, sorry, you're the other way, that way, <laughs> across the coast of northern Egypt and then up into Israel and uh, ultimately to Jerusalem. 800 miles. He may, he may have walked. Probably more likely he would have gone on a camel train. You know, that's, that was the safest way to travel. So, you know, they'd get however many people together. We don't know whether he was a Jew and he was going for the Passover. It doesn't say whether he was a trader. And, you know, he, obviously Jerusalem was going to be packed with people. Maybe he was going there to trade. Who knows? We, there's a lot we don't know about him. What we do know about Simon was that he was the father of Rufus and Alexander. Some of the historians believe that this is the Rufus who Paul greets in Romans 16.13 when he said, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been like a mother to me too. They think that this is the same Rufus. Um, So maybe he was a Jew and got converted, who knows. But Simon, he had the cross forced on him. He's minding his own business, probably thinking about trade or whatever it is. And then the sol- these are Roman soldiers, but these guys were mainly mercenaries, brutal men. You know, it would have probably been at the point of a sword. It wouldn't have been, oh, excuse me, uh, if it's not too much trouble, Simon, would you mind just uh, carry that for this gentleman? No, it would have been a sword. He's pick that up and carry it over here. And I think... Simon wasn't expecting this. I mean, he's been talked about now. He's in the Bible for 2,000 years. This man who just went there, maybe, maybe for Passover, maybe to do some trading, finds himself written into history forever. <laughs> Something he didn't want. He didn't, want he, didn't, he didn't go to Jerusalem to carry someone's cross. You know, he, he, he may have gone there to celebrate Passover, he may have gone there, like I say, to a bit, a bit of trade. Suddenly, he's carrying this huge piece of wood for some strange man who he d- probably doesn't know anything about. To him, he's a criminal. So think, what, why, am I get, why have I got this gig? Why have I got this job? I'm minding my own business. And I think... The Bible tells all of us as disciples, you know, take up your cross daily. And many of us do. You know, many of us have got things that every day can be a challenge. You know, whether it can be, it can be a healthy, it can be anything. But you know, every single day, maybe something that you're battling with, overcoming, maybe something in your character and think, here we go, okay, don't let my boss make me hang angry today. Let me stay calm, let me not react, whatever, and we take up our cross. And then you get the crosses that come out of the blue. Yeah. Come the unexpected crosses yeah. <laughs> that you often don't have a choice. Yeah. These crosses, you don't go and 
pick them up. They get dropped on you. <laughs> and I know I've shared before about, you know, my, uh, my mother and stepfather in a care home. And um, they've been in, in care now for four years. Um, they've both got dementia. The, neither of them can really communicate. Now, I, I go up there two or three times a week. And, you know, I sit with them and, you know, I talk and uh, tell them what's going on. I don't know how much is going in. But I was sat there, uh, I went up um, last week, and I sat down, and Mum was sat here, and I was, Dad was in the TV room asleep. He sleeps about 23 hours a day. Um, it's just part of the condition of dementia, I, I guess. And I'm sat with Mum. And I was sat there, and I've got my hand sort of on my lap here. And there's another elderly, elderly lady who has a, a walking frame. And she walks until she hits an obstacle, then she stops. And she can't go anywhere. She just stops. And she just... And I didn't... And I'm chatting to mum. And, and then I felt this bump. And this lady had walked. And I'm there. And, and I looked. And she's drooling on my hand. And it's like... And she's just there. And this drool's just... And, I, and the, I, for, I was like... Lord, why... Why, why am I going? Why am I going through this? Um, and it was a bit like, you know, I say, you know, please take this cup from me. Familiar words. You know, Jesus said the same thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, if there's any other way, and there are times when I'm at the care home, I'm thinking, you know, this cross sometimes gets heavy. Because um, I know Sybil uh, a couple of weeks ago, she said, "Are you okay?" Yeah, I'm fine. And I just come back from the care home. I wasn't fine. I was, I was just having a bit of a downer, you know. But I think, however down I feel, you think about the people, you know, the old lady, you know, I had to get up and I'd, I turned around with a friend and I found, right, I set her off and she'll just walk until she finds another obstacle and she'll stop again, you know, and then somebody will turn around again, you know, and you think it's, it's, it's tragic, you know, and my cares and concerns you know, they're, how, how big are they compared to what they've got to live with? You know, and, and they've all got families as well, you know, who, who are going through the same struggles that, that me and my brother and my sister are going through. And, I, you know, but I think there's a, there's a bit of me thinks, you know, when, when, I, when can I lay this cross down? And the reality is this, for every one of us, that maybe have long-term crosses to bear. You know when you get to lay it down? When you get to Calgary. <laughs> same as Jesus you don't get to lay it down until then you know they, they may be crosses that we have to carry for the rest of our lives oh, but the great news is with, with all of that is that Jesus he didn't take up his cross he took up our cross that cross was for us you know we, we, we're carrying our crosses Jesus also carried our cross it wasn't really his cross. It was ours. And he, and he chose to bear it for us. And I think one day we'll all lay those crosses down. And I th- when I talked earlier in uh, my favourite passage, Colossians. Colossians 3, 4. And it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's what we need to hang on to. No matter how heavy your cross is, it's not forever let's pray for the bread and the wine Father thank you that we can uh, learn so much from your scriptures Father Um, help us to be 
uh, compassionate towards others and to be forgiving the way you forgive us Father we know that uh, the forgiveness comes because of your son who uh, carried our cross Father and was crucified on the cross that was really for us Lord and um, and because of our faith in him and the sacrifice that he made that we can come before you and take the bread and the wine now thank you so much for the salvation that you've offered every one of us and we appreciate all that you do in Jesus name we pray Amen